Oh, man, we're coming at you raw, uncut, uncensored, uncooked. Yeah, dig it. <laughs> Welcome back to Get Some Caller. I'm Zach. And I'm Dubs, and we have episode 15, motherfuckers. We are back, and uh, yeah, Zach, what are we doing today? Well, today, we we talked a little bit here and there over the past couple months about, like, what are we going to do about getting some color? Because, like, the neither of us really want to watch wrestling right now because of how it is. Mm-hmm. And, um... I kind of just said, hey, what do you think about just watching some old TV and just, you know, back when things were better? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I proposed, like, hey, let's let's watch, like, the first two episodes of Raw and just see, see how it goes, you know? And uh, that's what we're doing. We're going to review the first two episodes of Raw. And I guess, and, we'll, uh, I guess we'll talk go- about some news here and there, I guess. A uh, little bit of news. Just a touch. Yeah, because, I mean, we'll get it out of the way. Pretty much all the people that left fucking WWE went to Impact. Yeah, a majority of them did. EC3, fucking the Good Brothers, uh, Kurt Hawkins, and Eric Young. I'm pretty sure I'm missing more people. Oh, Zack Ryder's on AEW because of Cody Rhodes. Vicky Guerrero is also on AEW. Yes, and apparently uh, Tony Khan said it last night over Twitter that the the Revival has signed a multi-year contract with AEW. <laughs> well, hopefully they don't continue to make them look like jokes. <laughs> Actually, I don't see them as jokes. I, I haven't heard uh, or... I, I actually like that they are defending the people they want to beat up so that they could beat them up. I guess. I feel like it's a little weird. Like, I, I take that back. That's a little harsh, what I said. But, like, uh, it's definitely not where I think they should be, like, in terms of being portrayed. Like, they're they're coming out of WWE, coming into that. Yeah, they're not really jokes, but it's like, okay, I guess. That's what you want to do. Like, Keep in mind, let's just say when, you know, the revival, when they went on uh, Jim Cornette's podcast and they were just like doing a shoot work kind of thing on there and mm-hmm. and explaining what they hated about WWE and what they're doing now. I feel like they're on TV. I feel like they have creative control and... And, and I know you say that sometimes having too much creative control could be bad for people. I mean, look, and I hate to use this too, but look at Matt Hardy. He finally has full control, and he's just non-existent in AEW. Because I think he needs yeah. a crowd for that gimmick that he does. I think so, too. A lot of people need crowds. Mm-hmm. But what with the revival is just like... I feel like it's brewing. I feel like... Uh, what everybody's saying, like, oh, they're, you know, kind of like what they were in WWE, but just, you know, with more TV time. And I I totally disagree with that. I think something's brewing. Eventually, they're going to, you know, become champions, I think. I think they're going to be the champions. And I hope that this is not going to happen. I hope that they, that they don't win. And then the Young Bucks 
beat them because I fucking hate the Young Bucks. I used to like the Young Bucks. Now I fucking hate them. <laughs> yeah, well, I never... I, I stayed neutral about them up until when I watched them. And when I watched them, I'm like, these guys can, I guess, work if they want to. But they always just go way too far in mm-hmm. what they do. And uh, I uh, I don't know. Um, I want... The I want FTR to do well, and obviously I'm going to say I think they should build the whole tag division around them. But like we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't see any of the matches that they did in AEW uh, because I know that they made a tweet that like, oh, we're facing this team, and you think they're going to do flips? Well, you think again or something like that. I heard that you know from other people. Uh, that they they they've had pretty good matches actually considering like who they had to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, not I mean I'm not saying like all their tag teams are shit or anything in AEW. Some some are better. It's kind of scattershot. It's it's like everything else on their roster. It's like you got good people, you got people that have potential, you got people that suck, and you just don't understand why they're there. <laughs> better tag team division than WWE. Oh, for, for sure. Because at least they try to pretend like, oh my god, we have a, we have a tag division, and we at least make it look like we kind of care about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's already yeah, already they're doing way better in that department. WWE strong point is so far has been the women. Uh, well, when Becky was there, now Becky's pregnant. So, and Charlotte's gone now too. But she's pregnant too? No, no, no. She she had to do some kind of like corrective surgery thing or something. With her boobs? So I I I think so, maybe. <laughs> but she didn't really say, but like that's that's my guess. And she's just got kind of time off for now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's looking like she might just be taking some extra time off anyway, just to like I guess rest. So this would be the who perfect, knows when she'll come back. This would be the perfect time to bring back Ronda Rousey and then like do a feud with Becky coming back, but whatever. Oh god. <laughs> but uh yeah, other than that, like yeah, all those guys are in there. Um oh yeah, shout out to Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston for getting on uh Dynamite. Mm-hmm. At least they can get work again. I like Ricky Starks with Taz and uh Brian Cage. Uh, yeah, Brian Cage. God damn, I forgot his name. He's too new to me. I still don't remember his the name fucking yet. Fucking FTW champion? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Fuck the world. Oh, really? That's from, that's from when Taz was in ECW. And then, like, um, I don't remember the exact circumstances of this because I didn't watch it. I just read about it. Uh, but it was either he lost it or, like, Taz vacated the title out of disgust or some bullshit. And then he's like, and then like the next week he comes out and he says, you know what? Fuck the world. And he, he has the <laughs> FTW title and he has defended the fuck the world championship. Like just whenever. That's cool. I, I thought that was cool. I, I'll have to watch it when he, whenever he was actually doing it. I thought, I thought for a second that uh, Brian Cage brought like an indie championship into the, I hate, I'm going to go on a little rant. I hated when AEW started bringing like all those uh, indie and New Japan titles to fucking AEW, and I get it that you're trying to cross promote, but you're fucking promoting your own fucking promotion. Bring out your own belts. Yeah, I mean 
that's okay to an extent to have like you know another promotion's title there or something mm-hmm. once in a while but like yeah to showcase oh these are champions from so and so it's like okay well how about building up the prestige of your own titles like i don't get it <laughs> Uh, and I, I know we said a little news, but I guess we're trying to catch up since we haven't been uh, doing podcasts in a while. We're getting some color. Uh, uh, MJF did probably one of the best promos in a long time for AEW. He did the State of the Union for AEW, and he says that he's going after John Moxley since he does have a perfect record, by the way. Yeah, if this is supposed to be sports-based wrestling, yeah. MJF has like the best record. And it's like, for some reason, he just doesn't get matches and doesn't get TV time, <laughs> like, randomly. Mm-hmm. It's like, sometimes they'll have him on there, and then they'll go, like, weeks where he's just, like, in the crowd or some bullshit. Or he'll face, like, Jungle Boy or fucking Marco Stunt or something like that. <sighs> God damn it. I don't want to get into that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, also, uh, I guess Kyrie Sane finished up with uh, WWE or wrestling for the time being because she's leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of made a big deal out of it and said, this is her match. It's her last match and she's going, she's going to go away. And that happened. And she was there maybe, I guess, three years, I think. Yeah. NXT, she was there for like a year and a half. And then she went into the main roster and, um, she's good. Um, WWE always has a thing with Asians where just like, they treat them like the cruiserweight did in WCW. They're just like, oh, we have these wrestlers. <laughs> and they kind only... of. Like, they, they treat them better in NXT. But, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, but, like, I'm talking main roster. Like, Vince has always been, you know, <laughs> with Asians, like, oh, we're going to have them either in a comedy bit or they're just going to be really, really fucking crazy. And Asuka is both. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like uh yeah like i guess godspeed for her on her next voyage or whatever mm-hmm. and um she did good while she was there i i felt like she kind of got wasted a little bit after she got called up i mean don't get me wrong i i don't expect her to be in the main event all the fucking time or anything but like mm-hmm. uh she there are several opportunities to have some really good matches with people i think that were just missed i guess i'll say you know i guess they had a good feud with uh bailey and sasha because you know you know eventually bailey and sasha went over with the tag team belts and the the championships but you know that's a good way to go out and it's better than like most of the people that are leaving wwe and vince goes you know uh, let's fucking bury him or bury her or fuck him and all that yeah. stuff. Such good shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? I th- I think we you know we talked about Randy before, but Randy has his little uh, legend killer gimmick back, which I love by the way. Randall Keith Orton has been entertaining both in and out of the ring lately. <laughs> yes, and. Whoever is either if if Vince is giving Randy uh how Vince always does where he always goes to his people that been there a while and lets them do their own shit, he needs 
to have those people like Randy teach the other people how to do shit. I think that's what's going on. Cause like I, I'd heard a couple months ago that Vince was looking to push Randy again in, in main event. Um, and I'm okay with that because past couple years, I feel like Randy's been better lately. Drew McIntyre is uh, not a good champion. I'm sorry. I, it's just the way they fucking push him and shit. He's just not like how he was in NXT. Mm-hmm. It's it's just how they want to present him, how he's being produced. He's Roman Reigns 2.0. <laughs> yeah. He wrestles bet way better than Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'll give you that. But, like, the whole, you know, I'm a good guy, and I'm going to beat your face in, and I'm cool. And I'm like, be badass. You got you to gotta be like The Rock. You got to capture the audience and be badass. And n- nobody's ever going to be like The Rock because The Rock is just cr- uh, yeah. Cr- uh, I can't even say cr- charismatic. There you go. <laughs> That's one of those once in a g- lifetime things is The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they had Drew had that character in NXT. And then it's just like, I don't know. They, they all they got to meddle with shit and change it. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. As soon as I heard that rumor, it's like, oh, he's going to set up Randy to beat him mm-hmm. and take it from him. And it was like, well, you know, honestly, like his moment kind of got ruined anyway, cause there's no crowds. Yeah. And you know, Randy's established and people will watch him, even though when he had that one match with the big show, apparently nobody watched it. <laughs> <laughs> the ratings like plummeted. Cause everyone hates but, big show. I, I like big show, but like, Retire, buddy. Either that or become a an announcer. Because I think Big Show could be a good announcing. I think Big Show, yeah, he has a lot of personality and shit. I know, apparently they tried to talk him into, like, taking a producer role. And he said something like, I'd rather be run over by a truck. <laughs> like, he just doesn't want to fucking do that job. That's hilarious to me. Yeah, because if I bet you, like, whatever he uh, produces, Vince is going to go, like, nah, we're just going to do my good shit. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think Big Show could be just a good on-air personality. It's just everybody's just tired of seeing him wrestle. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. It's, it's just that that was proof, right? Because it's like, look, I'm not saying Randy Orton's a big ra- ratings draw because it, like, People have Randy fatigue too. Sometimes it depends on who they put him against. Um, I think, Cena. <laughs> yeah. See, when when it's Cena, it's like bleh, like it doesn't become death like that. But interest wanes. But in this case, it was like Big Show, a guy who is basically ratings repellent now. And again, Randy in the same segment in a match. It's like no. <laughs> Well, I have a thing, uh, because they're having Ric Flair, like, be his little, like, side guy. I wouldn't say manager, but he's, like, his... He, he's, he's a fucking evolution member, so, like... He's his support. Yeah. Uh, if if anything, if I would, you know, put Randy Orton back on the map, make him super fucking heel and super, uh, like, unstoppable for a while, and then have, like, Ric Flair... Be like, hey, wait on there, buddy. I got a, I got, you know, somebody new. And then you would have Ric Flair manage a new person against Randy Orton. Who? I don't know. That's the thing. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know who either. Maybe like, Killer Cross, to... maybe. Adam Cole? That too? Yeah. Oh, man. Especially because he just got called little and he got fucking pissed. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we could talk about that too. Uh, I Man, these little dudes turned out to be big. Uh, <laughs> um, he went on the Pat McAfee show and... Obviously, it's a work. It has to be a work. Yeah, there are stories coming out now saying, like, no, it wasn't work. It was real. I'm like, no, I think it was a work. <laughs> yeah. It's the way Pat McAfee, like, sold it. it, it if if what I, what I would have done is I would have had, um, what's his face, uh, Adam Cole freak out. And then when he pushes the other dude, uh, I would have Pat McAfee go, Let's get off the air. Let's go to commercial break or something like that. Yeah, cut it off real quick. And then and then come back and be like, I am so sorry you saw that and all that stuff. Uh, I do apologize. Then I would be like, whoa. <laughs> what Awkward. Is this real? Yeah. But no, they, they... With WWE, and I know WWE probably had a hand in this as well. Uh, WWE loves to try to make things kayfabe but they do it too long to make it look stupid like remember eric rowan where he had his little monster in a cage and then it was like a fake fucking spider it was obviously <laughs> like a a fucking toy spider from like spirit halloween stores or shit mm -hmm. like oh my god but hey Adam held up his end of the bargain. I fucking believed him 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah, it was Pat that fucked it up. He was just overdoing everything. Ooh. I didn't even think about this. So, Adam Cole reminds me of a young Shawn Michaels. Um, that's That's been said about a lot of people. Yeah. So, if, any, <laughs> if anything, I would have maybe Shawn Michaels introduce Adam Cole to fucking Randy Orton. Oh shit! There it is. And I guess like Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels, because hey, Shawn Michaels ended Ric Flair's career. Whoa! Shots fired. They have a little promo thing and stuff. The only thing is, according to superstar Billy Graham, Adam Cole needs to take steroids. Fuck him. <laughs> I watched in, in the inside thing about when the 1992 were fucking superstar billy graham and that motherfucker who slapped that reporter like you know and keep in mind i'm not a big hulk hogan fan but like they ratted on hulk hogan about steroids D does it really matter about a fucking fake entertainment where it is uh you know fake outcomes but you know, like they do take the hits and stuff like why why did it matter uh about the steroids oh my god fuck him well billy Billy Graham, I can't say anything about. He's always kind of come off as like a guy who's like real bitter that uh, how his career ended up and shit. Mm -hmm. But David Schultz, the other guy you're talking about, the slapped the reporter, he was actually friends with Hogan. And like when that thing happened with him, like Hogan just kind of, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's the only applicable term that people will understand nowadays. Hogan ghosted him and just yeah, wasn't his friend anymore out of nowhere. Well, that's Hogan. Hogan's a douchebag. I'll give I'll give Dave, Dave Schultz that. But like, when I was watching one of the news thing and like the news, fuck the media too. 
Like, they made steroids act like it's, like, fucking cocaine and acid and shit. Like, if you moderate ster uh, steroids, you'll be fine. But obviously, if you're taking it too much, like, maybe, like, a Chris Benoit. Like, Scott <laughs> Steiner? Yeah, Scott Steiner. Like, obviously, yeah, you need to moderate that shit. But, like, they made it like, oh, it's evil. You need, you need, you need to tell the kids. Stop lying to the kids about vitamins and stuff. Like... Let them enjoy their Saturday night fucking cartoon wrestling shit. Like, fuck off. Yeah, I never understood like this, the, the like the stigma about it with wrestling because it's like, uh, like I, I know at the same time people were like, there were sports scandals about it, like all oh, Barry Bonds and instead, you know, all that shit. Mm -hmm. And there, I know there's other things probably that I don't know about or I'm forgetting, but. It was weird because when it was found out, like, oh, my God, there's steroids in wrestling. It's like all of a sudden they're acting like it was legitimate and it was like a big problem. Like, I thought you all fucking thought wrestling was fake and it was a joke. And now you're acting like because it takes steroids, it's real serious and it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Which is it? <laughs> like, like, why? You can't have it both ways. Here's a question to you. Do you think if superstar Billy Graham and Dave Schultz uh, never went to that media thing. Do you think wrestling uh, would have changed into what it is today? Because think about it. I, I think we would have more big steroid fucking freaks out there in wrestling, right? Because of, uh, you know, they had, this whole scandal started out the whole drug testing thing with Vince. Yeah, uh, I mean... I don't think it would have changed things too much. It might have like just slowed the timeline a little bit if that didn't happen. Mm. It's like a few things were still going to happen anyway. Like one thing was no matter what was going on, people were already get they were getting tired of Hulk Hogan, mm -hmm. and like that was going to change who Vince was going to be forced to push. And whether he liked to admit it or not, at that time he had no other big guys like Hogan to push. That they just weren't there. Like, so he had to go with everybody was just smaller than him naturally. So it wouldn't have mattered. It's like, take your pick. Oh, they had ultimate warrior, which hell well, that's, that's a whole other deal. Yeah. Like warrior and them was just on bad terms at that point. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, like, I mean, they got the, they got Luger and like, yeah. L and then he tried to push Luger like that and it just didn't work because like, he just didn't get the, the narcissist, which we'll get into that. <laughs> but um yeah i i think it just would have kind of slowed the timeline down slightly instead of altering history totally or something mm -hmm. <clears throat> anyway i guess this is a good segue to get into episode one yeah we're this is episode one of monday night raw january 11th 1993 from the manhattan center in new york mm-hmm so I guess my question is, this is the first time, uh, besides pay-per-views, WWE going live on national TV, right? No, because uh, they did Saturday Night Main Events live. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, they probably had a couple other specials. I'm pretty sure they did on, on uh, TV. Uh, but, yeah, this this is the first weekly show, I'm pretty sure, that they were doing. Because everything else was kind of sporadic. Mm-hmm. Like I think there, I think superstars existed before this did, but it it was, it's superstars, <laughs> like 
this is this is supposed to be like the flagship show so like this is really the first of its kind i guess at this point and i i guess my question is because you know old school uh wrestling they were in like kind of big arenas then they had monday night raw in this small like theater in in manhattan yeah why do you think they did that um I think at this time, honestly, there was a there was a wrestling recession going on. Mm-hmm. Like they were in the midst of it right now. Like the crowds were kind of trailing off. The numbers were, um, and at that time, still, like I don't think WWF still quite had like the reach everywhere and like you know the United States. Because like they were, they would still have problems like when they would go down south, for example, drawing. Because mm-hmm. WCW so it, had that territory, right? Yeah, like they they preferred that that style, and then it's it's some in some areas it just didn't click like like it would. Not not everywhere down south, but like other specific places, like uh, in Carolinas, they just never did good, very good there traditionally. Well, that's why they always, <laughs> uh, you know say that Vince McMahon is always a New York guy, you know, even though he's from Connecticut. Yeah. Well, he's actually from North Carolina. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, like Vince McMahon came from North Carolina, moved up to fucking Connecticut, and in WWF is New York. That's what everybody always called it. I'm going to New York. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think just at that time, like, that's they were just trying to do like a groundswell thing. Maybe like, let's see how this does. Let's not try to overshoot. Let's do some smaller arenas first. And maybe that was Vince just actually being smart for, you know, because back then he was smart. Yes. He cared about, (laughs) he cared about storylines because these two episodes build up the Royal Rumble where I'm excited to watch Royal Rumble 1993. That's part of the reason why I said, do you want to just like keep going till we watch this Royal Rumble? Because <laughs> they were built, they were doing such a good job building it because it was just, I mean, and what's sad is this probably isn't necessarily like, this is a good job. It's just like back then they cared to actually try to build their shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, you know, that's nice, man. I forgot what that felt like, <laughs> but, um, what do you think of the Manhattan Center, though? Uh, I I always dig it. I always love uh, having small arenas where the crowd is into it, and that crowd definitely was into it. Uh, which, by the way, don't they come back to that <laughs> later on down the road when ECW and WWE come together and they have the uh, uh, one of the ECW pay per views? Is that the same arena or theater? I, I don't know if it was in that or the Hammerstein ballroom. I think it's Hammerstein. I think you're right. But uh, they they still come back to the Manhattan Center quite a bit for a while. And then they did one of the old school Raws there. And then they did uh, the double Raw telecast disaster <laughs> there a few years ago. <laughs> I guess what I really... And this is going to sound sad, but I really, even though some of the commentary was cheesy, especially the comedy that was going on, um, I really dig that the story that they were putting 
uh, not Bobby Heenan trying to get in there, by the way. <laughs> that was just funny. Yeah, Bobby Heenan in general is funny. And he, rest in peace, you know, Bobby DeBrain Heenan. Only, only he could get away with doing that shit. If there was anybody else doing that, you'd be like, this fucking sucks. Just get off my screen. <laughs> but it was it was him doing it, so it was actually kind of funny. Yeah, he was like a woman, and then he was like a Jewish guy. <laughs> um, I don't know, like the matches themselves, like there, there's definitely some throwaways. There was like mid cards and stuff. I do love, uh, you know, the tag team that they had with the Steiner brothers and the Executioners. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, a lot of edgy comedy, by the way. With uh, Rob Barlett and even Vince McMahon, I kind of joined in. Because when Coco Beware came out, he's like, that looks like uh, fucking Gary Coleman. And Vince McMahon is like, yeah, he grew up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, the, the commentary team here is Vince McMahon, Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett. And I'm like, who fucks Rob Bartlett? <laughs> and they kept saying like oh he's from like new local new york radio i was like oh okay they're just trying to get a normie guy that people know locally to like get hype or some bullshit i he guess was too annoying um i he- never yeah i never heard of this guy i didn't know maybe if you knew who he was but uh fuck like because you're from around that area right sort of yeah he's just a comedian that i, I guess vince mcmahon is like ha, ha, ha. he says like borderline racist jokes so i'm gonna put him on my commentating team that dude is just like not funny no he said he said one thing the entire time on these two episodes that actually i thought was kind of funny oh what was it well it's in episode two okay (laughs) so we'll get to that later um i i just didn't like that he was like always talking Uh, like I think even Randy Savage was like probably getting pissed off at some points. He like, yeah, you know. And, yeah, yeah, shut up, man. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell Vince was trying to rein him in a few times. Like he would cut, he'd cut him off, mm-hmm. or, or just say, "Oh yeah, pal," and just <laughs> like trying to like end that line of conversation, basically. And what's up with the ring girls? Like they look not very Vince approved like they weren't i guess they didn't have big boobs to me <laughs> like for vince taste i'm trying they to were, i mean they were cute but like you know it was like oh like well i guess on you know cable tv in 1993 like that was that might have been like oh it's a little risque a little have ring girls on there because usually you'd have to see that shit like on pay-per-view boxing fights or something i feel like this raw, even though it's still kind of like the casual kids era kind of thing, um, I feel like this is Vince testing the waters of what the attitude era is going to be all about. Yeah, because he kept saying they they had this tagline. I, I did it at the start of the show, <laughs> like raw, we're uncut, uncensored, and uncooked, brother. Yeah, you know and. Every time they said they, that, I was like, "Shut up, please!" Somebody, somebody fucked it up, and then like he would always correct them. I always thought that was funny, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you could tell he was trying a whole bunch of different stuff here, like on on these two shows. He was doing this shit where people were calling in on the phone. He, you know, Heenan's outside trying to get in, and I, sorry to cut you off, but by the way, I want more of phone 
promos in in today's wrestling. Please. I thought those were fucking hilarious. They used to do that a lot. I remember that they, they used to do it even like uh, around 97, I think, 98. It's probably the last time I remember it. But they they kind of quit doing that after that. Um, I don't know, though. But, yeah, I'll try to stay on track here. First match is Coco Beware Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just a squash match, basically. Well, how many uh, how many times did we have to hear about a fat joke? By the way, by this God time? damn it, that was the biggest thing during this match. Is like I put in all caps. Yoko is fat, by the way. In case you didn't fucking know, <laughs> looking at him, I'm like, God damn, this dude's killing me. This Rob Bartlett dude won't shut the fuck up about Yokozuna being fat. He kind of, <laughs> he kind of, if if you trying to uh, book a fucking heel wrestler that it's like overpowering, he kind of like made him a joke he kind of buried him and you could and this goes back to what i was saying where vince was trying to rein that dude in because he would not quit railing him for being fat and vince was like yeah we get it like there's some shit <laughs> <laughs> like if you like he said different stuff but you could tell when vince was trying to get him to like stop yeah um i think i think savage even tried to get him to relax with it a couple times but um there was i one- thought it was there was, oh, go ahead. There was one thing that Savage said, uh, because the Rob Barlett guy is like, oh, he 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 won. He ate him like a snack, and like Randy Savage was like, you know, <laughs> his snack is not compared to like others. Like you know, our his snack might be like a big fucking like five bowls of like macaroni and cheese. Like to us, that's like a lot of food. But the the fucking Yoko is like that's a snack, and I thought that was funny. I'll, I'll give Randy that. <laughs> he tried, damn it. <laughs> yeah, like I noticed, like on this, like Coco came out to like Owen Hart's heel music, and I think they edited that because uh, Coco, I think, had some kind of like license shit or is like pile driver, and I think. There must have been some kind of legality bullshit between Coco and them on that. So they just like, oh, give him own heart's heel music. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that or not. I didn't notice. Um, but it was it was a simple squash. You know, he, uh, Coco did some good stuff bouncing off Yokozuna and getting beeled around the ring. Mm-hmm. And I love the fucking thing where he just like, stun gunned him he just threw fucking coco on the on the rope and he like flew back <laughs> and then he then he did that leg drop that leg drop that just looks like it would fucking kill you <laughs> i'm like god that should just be his finisher fuck hulk hogan's leg drop like that was amazing yeah <laughs> boom he's dead and he go he bonds eyes him it's over mm-hmm. it's fine it's a squash yeah i, I didn't mind it i what really killed it was all the joking that, like, I was like, oh, I get it. He's fat. I get it. Okay. But we had a, yeah. good, we had a good tag team match, and, you know, the jokes about, like, which one is, which Steiner brother was pretty annoying as well. <laughs> I'm like, they obviously, they, they're brothers, they're similar size, but, like, one has a goddamn mullet. The other is wearing, like, traditional wrestling headgear. And has like very distinctive facial hair. You can't fucking tell them apart. Like, <laughs> it's just fucking stupid. <laughs> but 
I always liked the Steiners, uh, like as a tag team. Mm-hmm. And this was just a really another really good squash match where they just beat the fuck out of these executioner dudes. I don't know what the fuck they were executioners of because they just got their asses kicked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible name for a jobber team, the executioners. Apparently it was Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. Dwayne Gill's Gilberg. Oh yeah, that's right. Holy shit! I don't know. I don't know ex- who Barry Hardy is though. I've, I've never heard that name. He was an executioner. <laughs> that's a, that's amazing. Uh oh, I mean nothing really happens. They just they they crush him and it's just entertaining. Doinks out in the crowd being distracting. Yeah, that, that was kind of it. Which, by the way, they botched his name. I think on purpose, not on purpose, but like mistakenly, because like Vince says Dork the Clown because the other fucking idiot says Dork the Clown. He made him, he caused Vince to say Dork. Yeah. And yeah. Then Randy Savage was like, You mean Doink? I think his name's Doink, man. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, before that, Bobby Heenan cut a promo hyping up the narcissist. Amazing. Not not the narcissist, the narcissist. Narcissist. And I'm like, he says it, and then everybody else says it that way, and I'm like, can nobody say narcissist, or is this just like one of those tomato-tomato things? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I've always heard it pronounced narcissist, and they're like, narcissist. <laughs> How did you pronounce it before this? Uh, the w- now, because I'm thinking about the way they say it, uh, narcissist, narcissist, whatever. <laughs> it's a really hard word to say, rural. Like, yeah. but uh, this, this was, yeah, this was the hype Luger. I guess Heenan was managing Luger at the start or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know. Because uh, I don't really have any memory of him being the narcissist that much. It did, it was it didn't last long. It was only a couple months. No, because I think what happened is you know they tried to push him and all that stuff, and then Ico Pro like fucking failed and shit because they were trying to promote Ico Pro. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and Luger's like, well, this is stupid, and then he went to WCW. Did you hear? Uh, <laughs> did you ever hear about how that stuff actually was? No, I, I've I've always seen like seen like the the Ico Pro shit, and especially during the Attitude Era, they had the Ico Pro as well, if I remember correctly. I w- I just want a T-shirt because that banner and that shit is burned into my memory. It's always it's... been in D- WWE games too, like the, the like the old school ones, the Smackdowns and shit. Yeah, but. Uh... Jim Cornette one time on his podcast told a funny story about how um, there's even like people asking dumbass questions like, is there like all the Ico Pro that Vince couldn't sell? Did he bury it behind Titan Towers? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? This is like the Atari landfill. (laughs) But um, uh, he told a funny story about how um, Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect, had gotten some ico pro uh, like he probably got it for free or some bullshit and he was giving it to you know his son joe or you know curtis axel whatever the fuck you want to call him <laughs> when he was a kid playing baseball or some shit he's like here this will help you you know you gotta want it kid and apparently it gave joe the shits 
and they fucking threw that stuff away. <laughs> It's just like I don't know why I just thought it like apparently it caused people to have stomach cramps and shit. That's that's part of the reason why it fucking failed. <laughs> Wait until because I remember parts of 1993 Royal Rumble because that's what they're building up to. They're building up to the premiere of Narcissus and uh, um, the way <laughs> Bobby Heenan because they do like a whole curtain kind of thing. And, like, Bobby Heenan's, like, coming behind the fucking curtain and shit. And, like, he's, like, he's wowed by him and turned on by his physique. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's so fucking cool. Not cool, but funny. And I can't wait until we see Royal Rumble 93. Okay, I'm looking forward to that, then. <laughs> um, next up is a promo in the ring with uh, Razor and Vince. This is the promo to hype up the match he's going to have with Brett at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And this was a good promo. <laughs> By the way, uh, when he threw the toothpick at Vince, you think that was planned? Um, Maybe. Vince probably said, throw the toothpick at me, pal. It'll be good. Like, <laughs> I can see him saying that. Because I, I like the part where he throws the toothpick and like Vince, like, Seems surprised a little bit and like stares at him. He's like, "You're the bad guy." The bad guy, everybody. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah, it was like you know he's a Scott Hall super in character with this razor gimmick, and he's got a lot of charisma. Even though it's like it's kind of over, it's very kitschy. Like his character is. It's like Vince watched Scarface and just wanted a character in the fucking uh, Federation. Yeah. But I like Razor. Part of that's nostalgia a little bit, I think. But mm. I always was really partial to him. I like Scott Hall as Razor Ramon than he what he was in WCW. Yeah, he just, I mean, he had his best run in WWF during that time, really. Yeah, because he became a drunk in WCW. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next was Max Moon versus Shawn Michaels champion. For the Intercontinental title. You want to hear some uh, Max Moon uh, uh, knowledge (laughs) a little bit? Okay, what do you know about Max Moon? So apparently Max Moon was Conan from WCW. I was going to bring that up too, but yeah, you knew too. Okay. Yeah, so was that Conan at the Raw? Because he looked kind of tall for Conan. I think it's just we haven't seen Conan for a long time and then like the, the recent years we've seen Conan he's kind of stooped over he's older he's had like some shit happen to him mm-hmm. you know so he was in much better health he was a lot younger back then Wait, his attire uh, I get to what they're trying to do for the kids but like that looks stupid as hell he kind of looked like a, 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 a fucking rave predator if, if anything <laughs> That's one of those, and then they actually said he was from the fucking moon. <laughs> like, god damn. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that's part of those death gimmicks that everybody likes to make fun of during this time, the new generation era. It's like Max Moon, Aldo Montoya, uh, TL Hopper, Mantar, and all this other shit. Fantasio. Fantasio is probably my favorite. By the way, this did you, is, well, did you ever see Fantasio? No. He was a magician. He's literally like a magician, but he had like clown kind of makeup or something. (laughs) 
and he came out doing tricks like that was his entrance he'd like pull fucking ribbon out of his mouth infinitely while he came to the ring and did other things and then he had a match and, and it was like basic i don't really remember much about it it was kind of short it was like five-ish minutes mm-hmm. and then Fantasia leaves and he pulled his greatest trick, the disappearing act, because you never saw his ass ever again. <laughs> so, but no, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say this is a fucking title match and apparently the longest match of the night because it was 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good little match. Sean was rocking the turquoise strap. I forgot that the IC title had a turquoise strap. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, there it is. Um, Building up that uh, uh, Royal Rumble match with Marty Jannetty. And uh, who was the um, the chick again? What was her name? Sherry. Sherry. By the way, yeah. that, that's Sherry singing his theme song, by the way. Yeah. And it, I think that something happened and they'd split for a little bit there. And that, that's what this was about. And now I guess he might be coming back to him for a bit, is because obviously Marty Jannetty's not gonna fucking beat him. Fuck Marty Jannetty. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why. Like I get it. Why they push this storyline because of the fucking, uh, you know, the kick in the in the Brutus Beefcake haircut place and shit. The barber shop. Yeah, the barber shop. Uh, place you can't go to get a haircut anymore. <laughs> like. I, I get that storyline, but Marty Jannetty's not good. I'm sorry. Oh, well, okay. Marty Jannetty can't cut a promo, really. Like, he can say some things, but, you know, you're. it's not going to draw anybody into what's going on. He can deliver lines. He can, uh, but it, it, it's like he's one-dimensional, like, He's still in a rocker mode, and he's still doing that gimmick kind of thing. At least Shawn Michaels, like, made his own identity. Yeah, he he was developing personality, like, already fast. And it's kind of funny, because before that, it didn't really seem like he had that much. Um, And Marty, I think, mechanically, is a good wrestler. It's just, uh, he... He has a pretty long match in episode two. I was surprised at how much time they gave him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought this dude was like basically a jobber, but like it took Marty a lot longer to beat him than what I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> and, he but, was, uh, and he was sober. Yeah. Yeah. And he, was, <laughs> he was sober, but it was, it's skipping ahead a little bit. But it, like I had a big problem with that match because it was just kind of dull. It's like there was just it felt like there was no heat to what was going on, and like Marty couldn't draw the interest in in the match, and it kind of showed in the crowd. Mm-hmm. But at least, uh, at least with Shawn Michaels and Max Moon, even though they were trying to push like, oh, it might be Max Moon versus Marty Jannetty, I'm like, stop doing that. It's stupid, and you know it's not going to happen. But I get I get what you're trying to do. Like it could happen. Um, but like Shawn Michaels, I love his wrestling during this time. Like I, I feel this is going to sound so controversial in some way. I like Shawn Michaels intercontinental championship, uh, run more than his world championship run. Well, at this point, Shawn's really working like a heel style. 
Mm-hmm. And he's he's not doing like any of the high flying shit. Like, don't get me wrong, occasionally, like, yeah, he'd bust out the top rope elbow. I think I remember seeing him do the moonsault once or twice back then, but that was only during like main event matches, like on pay per views. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but like like here, he mostly wrestled on the ground and was like, you know, being a little cheap and just doing some some cowardly heel shit. And kind of mugging for the camera, saying, "You know, I'm a, I'm fucking awesome." He looks at the camera and said something, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was some good arm drags and a hip toss fucking thing, and uh, fucking Conan hit this really cool looking Irish whip reversal, like where they both flew in the air, and he turned it into like a hammerlock takedown. And I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that was cool." I fuck. When was the last time I saw that? <laughs> and I bet nobody ever got hurt in that spot. Um, it's clear Sean is more over even as a heel in this match. Yes, because like nobody was cheering for Mag's mood. <laughs> they were cheering for Sean when he had him in the heat spot in the chin lock. <laughs> um, this ugh, this fucking thing happens where like that dumbass Bartlett starts doing that really shitty Mike Tyson impression. Yeah. Oh my God, that was death. <laughs> and Vince kept on agging it on. He's like, "Oh, uh, you know, Mike, what do you think about this?" And he's like, "You know, you, you, uh, we do this here in the shower." And I'm like, "Shut up, dude." And I, that was that was a dead on impression of his Mike Tyson impression. I gotta say. Yeah, it was close enough, but like, <laughs> at the same time, it should have ended like maybe. Three minutes. I would have gave him three <sighs> minutes to do that, but he was doing it through the whole fucking match, and it, it it's sad because it took away from this match as well. Because I'm like, come on, Vince, you have a good Shawn Michaels and Conan going at it right now, and like, come on. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it was kind of taking me out of the match a little bit, and then Doink showed up again to like distract from what's going on in the ring. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, fuck, you got this dumbass doing this awful bit and nobody's yanking him off the stage, <laughs> so to speak. And then Doink's out there goofing off, distracting from what's going on. And it's like, fuck. But then, uh, let's see, Conan hit some fucking pretty impressive dives on the outside for like 93 seeing that shit. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know? And... Then Sean hit his savat kick. <laughs> this wasn't established as his finisher yet. <laughs> and then he hits the teardrop suplex. And Vince just said, suplex, it's over. This teardrop suplex. There were so many what a maneuvers in this fucking two episodes that we saw, by the way. What a maneuver. That's Vince's go-to. If he doesn't know the name of the move. He's... <laughs> by the way, I, I, I don't know what episode it was, but like... Bartlett goes, what move is that? And Vince goes, it looks like a reverse headlock chin. And like fucking Randy Savage is like, Vince, I think that's a headlock. (laughs) I think that's a headlock, Vince. (laughs) What'd you give this match? Shawn Michaels versus Max Moon. I I gave that a, uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I was entertained. I give it a 6.5. It's not their fault, but that shit with all the goofy gaga shit going on kind of distracted from. Yeah, there was a lot of distraction. That's why I brought it down three points. But uh, I would have gave it higher because 
even though Max Moon looks like a fucking uh, predator that's going to a rave party, uh, <laughs> like he he did some moves that were like very out of the ordinary in the nineties. Oh yeah, he did. I gotta say though, I, I just remembered this. Um, you couldn't tell when he was coming out, but I forgot that his entrance is all gimmicked up, like in his outfit. Yeah, he has like these pack. fucking yeah, he's like he's got like a jetpack and all these fireworks come out and these streamers and shit. And like they just didn't have the camera guys like in the right spot, like in the truck. They didn't switch to the right cameras and you totally missed his entrance. And I thought that was kind of shitty. Yeah. <laughs> but but by the way, I do love the this felt very studio-esque kind of WCW kind of thing a little bit on how like small the arena was and how like and even though that Max Moon had a you know unique entrance, like you don't need the fireworks and shit and stuff. Like just come to the ring and do your stuff and get out. Yeah, they didn't really have any pyro, probably because the arena's so small. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, Ma- Max Moon had a, had a gimmicked up entrance that was just part of his outfit, and then you know we missed it. But hey, it's okay. I, I bet you they were trying to merchandise Max Moon. <laughs> I think they were like, I honestly think there was a concerted effort. I think he had merch. It's just, I, I don't recall ever. I don't even know what, I don't remember what it looked like at this point. Well, this is when Hulk Hogan left, right? Uh, no, it, it was. And then he comes back for a little bit here. Cause I was, I was kind of scrolling ahead in 93, a little bit. Thunder in paradise. I think he was doing. This is when, uh, Hogan, comes back and shortly before WrestleMania and then Bret Hart loses Yokozuna and then Hulk Hogan comes out and Bret's just like, go get him, go. <laughs> and then Hulk Hogan beats Yokozuna and wins the title. And he makes shitty. <laughs> and I fucking hate that so much. I'm surprised Bret let that happen. He, I mean, he was fucking pissed. I read about it in his book. He hated that. I bet you, because I bet you like... My- I, even though they they made up him and Vince and Vince worked with Brett to make him a champion, I feel like Vince is like you know Brett's not my guy. I I guess I have to put the belt on. Kind of kind of like today, like you know people. I guess people love this person. Let me put the title on him for a few, and then when my guy comes back, he's gonna get the title again. And I felt like that's what Hulk Hogan did with Yoko, pretty much. Yeah. I, that's basically what happened. Who knows? We might get far enough to talk about that. <laughs> but um, anyway, after that, they do like a Sean Marty interview to hype up their match right after that match. Mm-hmm. They both had like interview spots. Sean's was a lot better. Yeah. Marty's was not. No, Marty could suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Very clear difference. When people go like, why did Shawn Michaels get over and Marty not? And like people, some people still ask that question. Just watch this. Because everybody loved Shawn Michaels and the Rockers. Period. Yeah. And plus, he was just more popular. Fucking mm-hmm. God damn it. There's like groups of fucking girls and women out there being like, oh my God, Shawn. Like, <laughs> yeah, that one chick with her throwaway camera, by the way. Yeah. She was taking pictures. She was into it. Mm hmm. But uh, then there was some just general rumble interviews from like guys that were going to be in the rumble. And those were cool. Yeah. Um, Headlock for hunger bullshit. 
<laughs> yeah, that Tataka did his headlock for hunger thing, and I was like, <laughs> and then you you brought up the Undertaker one, which is in the next episode. We're gonna talk about it. That's gonna get its own segment. <laughs> um, then they showed like this segment from like I guess it was a Superstars or something where Kamala turned babyface. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. weird. That's really weird for a character like Kamala to be a babyface. I I was surprised Kamala was still with the company at this point. Like I didn't think he was. Like, <laughs> I think he leaves pretty soon. Because I don't remember Kamala from like that time period at all. No. Um. But yeah, man, I was watching that and I was like, who 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 was Kim Chi really? Like, <laughs> what the fuck was his deal? Why did he always wear that weird mask that like totally obscured his face? I have no idea. Like, I, I never understood that gimmick. Like, what the fuck is his deal? Like, I, obviously, he's some kind of fucking explorer that found Kamala in Uganda. It, but, like, why Why does he look the way he does? Why is his name Kim Chi? By the way, um, uh, 93 was his last year with the company, so. Oh, okay, so he's, he's probably on his way out here soon. I guess they were just like, let's see what happens when he's face. And nobody cared. <laughs> nobody fucking cared. Here we go. The main event. <laughs> Damien Demento versus The Undertaker. This is the main event of the first episode of Raw. <laughs> I don't know why Shawn Michaels and Max Moon fucking wasn't, but whatever. Um... Uh, <laughs> This is the beginning of the Age of Darkness, I call it, for The Undertaker. <laughs> and I, this is, I came up with this concept when I watched this match because this is when I officially recognized the beginning of the Age of Darkness. And what that is, is Undertaker goes through a really long period of time in his career where he gets stuck work, working with people that are shit and not compatible working with him. This is one of those times. <laughs> Damien Demento is just not good. He's like subpar. You can tell watching this match, I think. Uh, what the fuck is his gimmick? I don't know. For example, like what is his thing? Like they, they said, they bill him from the de- the darkest corners of your mind. <laughs> So is he like a figment of your imagination or some shit? Is he like a, a the the creeping fear you get in the darkness? What is he? I don't know. They never explained what the fuck he is because like at first he was just like some underneath guy, like a heel jobber, and his name was something else like Mondo Clean. <laughs> Sounds like a goddamn cleaning product. That was his name at first. And then, then they they give him this gimmick and they don't ever bother to explain what it is and he doesn't last long i think he just lasts a couple months in this gimmick before they fucking fire him i i, I guess Vince probably put this as the main event because undertaker is a is a big guy and yep. he, he had a little outlandish type of uh uh gear and then you have damian demento who's like that fucking Spider-Man villain. I forget his name. Craven? Craven and shit. Craven. <laughs> He's like a really shitty version of Craven. Yeah. Oh my god. And I think Vince McMahon is like, 
kids are gonna love this. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and I know, oh my god. And I'm sorry. Like, and it's just like no, it's not. <laughs> by like, the way, not... I I don't oh, like ahead. I don't like Undertaker in this gear. By the way, you uh, don't like the gray and black. No, I started liking under. Well, I, he's not my favorite wrestler, but I respect him as a wrestler. Uh, but. I, I liked him in the ministry. That's my favorite Undertaker. Oh, my favorite Undertaker is well, got a lot of fond memories when he when he adopted the purple in his in his gear. Mm-hmm. Even though he still had a lot of shit matches around that time, he that's also when he started having good ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not through any fault of his own, because I saw Undertaker wrestle in WCW before he joined WWF when he was mean Mark Callis. <laughs> His finisher was fucking awesome back then. You know what it was? What? He did the, the rope walk to the middle of the rope, like in the ring, and he did a top rope elbow drop standing off the rope there. Jeez. That was that was a fucking cool-ass finish. <laughs> I'm surprised he never did it. Like uh, at this stage in his career and the gimmick of the undertaker, I understand why he would never do that move. Mm-hmm. But like later on, I'm like, man, he should have busted that out. Like at some point that would have got like a huge reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, this is still when undertaker is really in his zombie phase. Yeah. Where he doesn't, he doesn't sell a lot and he does like some, he does some things I really like. I always like when he did the corner choke. Mm-hmm. And he'd like you know throw his hair back and do the eye roll thing. I was I always liked that spot. <laughs> yeah, he did. He this is where he kind of like he did it before, but like he started like overusing the when he's on the uh, on the floor and then he like raises up like he's a fucking zombie and shit. Like Paul Bear Paul Bearer was amazing. Yeah, he's always amazing. <laughs> Yeah, like when Paul Bear is out there, the match starts, you know, the bell rings, you can hear him out there going like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you can hear him over the mics. <laughs> was like, oh, my God. But um, Demento was awkward, and he can't bump in the corner, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed every time he went to hit the corner, he'd do like this weird shit where like he'd hit it on his side. It kind of reminded me of like when girls don't know how to do the corner bump. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of embarrassing. Jamie Demento's a girl. Taker hits a tombstone and he ends it. A merciful squash. It didn't last long. Yep. Gotta fucking build up the Taker. Then they did this weird thing where they advertised a cage match between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow <laughs> on the next episode of Raw, which, by the way, never happened. Yeah. I'm like, what the... was was What was that? Was that... <laughs> I think it's Vince being like he wants again this is the early stage of I guess WWF being more Hollywood and more corporate than anything like I I think he was trying to capture that and I bet you like people in the back were just like no Vince this is dumb like you're burying your talent by doing this shit it made me wonder if there was some kind of like feud going on you know like one of those Hollywood stories were like they got divorced and they're fucking pissed at each other. And so Vince's like, Oh, what if we had a cage match with them, pal? <laughs> and then he went ahead and made a little segment for that to be in the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's probably, like, I don't know. 
But um, I was like, what the fuck? And then, like, the, the show ends really weird. This is the ending. Doink comes out. He's been all over the show in the background distracting everybody. Oh, and Crush. <laughs> and, and then Crush comes out. And, like, like Doink, like, they're trying to talk to Doink, and then he's being a weird clown. And Crush comes out because he's terrorizing children, brah. And that's not cool, brah. And if he catches Doink doing it again, brah, it's over, brah. Brah. I... <laughs> oh, my God. I, now I know why Crush never cut promos. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept on saying it, too, like, brah. Um, like, and Doink just being Doink. I mean, Doink is awesome, I think. It's just him just being, like, all goofy and shit. Like a clown. Like he is. This is the, it's important to know, this is the first version of Doink. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Bourne playing Doink, the original. This is the one I like most because Doink is a heel during this time. And it's great because he's like, he's just like a fucking evil clown. <laughs> and he, 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 joy, he enjoys scaring children and playing tricks on people and brutalizing people. And it's great. <laughs> But brah, we get it, brah. You're from Hawaii. It's, it's yeah, it, was and then weird, that, it was a weird ending. And then Heenan finally gets to get on the roof, and then it, then it ends. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that was a strange way to end this show. So overall, what did you give this episode? I gave this a 6.5 out of 10. Oh, I gave it a 5.75 out of 10. Yeah, we're pretty close. There was just too much, like, distraction and kind of goofing off. And I don't hate squash matches, but there was kind of a lack of, like, real meaningful content that sticks with you in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, the the only thing I'll probably remember about it is uh, the Shawn Michaels match with Max Moon. And, uh... I guess the I, I don't know if it's this episode or the the second episode. Yeah. I guess when Vince was talking to Razor Ramon, uh, <laughs> I think Vince brought up the whole fact that Razor attacked Owen Hart, and I love the camera angle of him closing the line, <laughs> fucking Owen Hart. Well, like Owen Hart could see Razor coming, and he just didn't see it. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the camera guy was like in the doorway or some shit. And it like when Razor comes in, it's like he ducked so he could hit Owen in the chair. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? It's, it was like nobody saw him coming. Why couldn't they just have him like come from the back? And then you can see him running in from the back. And maybe he hits him with a fucking chair or something. Yeah. And that would have got more heat. Like, what the fuck, man? You assaulted him from behind with a fucking weapon. It was like a weak clothesline, too. It well, he didn't well he didn't want Owen to snap his neck on like a shitty I'm gonna beat you up in the back spot I guess so, <laughs> but yeah this is the historic first episode it's a little rough but some things are right and good mm-hmm. and Vince used to have much better sensibilities for producing TV even at this point yeah. So episode two. Let's get to episode two. January 18th. And they're still at the Manhattan Center. 
and this Bill guy does more unfunny shit. <laughs> and, and then suddenly Repo Man attacks Savage. Like while they're talking, Repo Man comes out of nowhere and just fucking blasts him. <laughs> he steals his hat and runs away. I, I love when like Randy Savage gets to the fucking commentating, but he's like, he's like, your hat's gone. He's like, what? What? <laughs> he's like all confused. <laughs> And then he's just like, man, I've been hit hard a lot in my career, man. And that's that ranks in the top ten, but it's not the best. I've been hit harder. <laughs> I, I, I like that opener because I just didn't expect it. It was just like, what the? F-? Repo Man attacked Savage and stole his hat. It's just, okay. <laughs> I like Repo Man. Like, I can't help it. He's like, he's like a real goofy fucking gimmick. Mm-hmm. But that guy, I don't know the guy's real name right now off the top of my head. He went all in on the gimmick, though. He yeah. made it work. Actually, let me bring up Repo Man. Who, who is he? Uh, he was, who is known as Barry Darso, Darso as Smash, one half of the tag team demolition. God damn, he was... De- I can't believe that. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the more you well, know. Okay. So, after that kind of fun opener, we get terrific Terry Taylor versus Mr. Perfect. By the way, I love this match. This was a good match. It's good. It's a good matchup between these guys. Terry Taylor got past his lame-ass Red Rooster gimmick. Yes. Which Bruce Bruce Pritchard still to vent defends to this day, fuck saying Bruce that it, it was good. Yeah, fuck him, <laughs> and saying Terry just couldn't pull it off. No, they made him look like a goddamn joke. <laughs> and Terry can work, and of course, Perfect can fucking work. So, what do you think is going to happen? I think if you're with Perfect, I think your match is always going to be great. He could run a match really well. He was one of those guys. I think they could work with anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he was one of those guys. Um, you know, I just thought about this. Why weren't these guys ever a tag team? I know, right? You got Terrific Terry and Mr. Perfect. <laughs> but Perrific. Per- Mr. Perfect's a baby face right now, and that's really interesting. Yeah, because I think the Bobby Heenan and Ric Flair turned on him, and... Uh, must must have happened the previous year. Yeah, I guess I should have got more backstory on that. I just know that they turned on him and like the whole thing with Bobby Heenan being a narcissist and Ric Flair was getting pushed, and then soon he leaves pretty much later on. <laughs> yeah, this is this was his out to go back to WCW because Jim Hurd finally fucked off. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Ric Flair left, he's like, as long as Jim Hurd's here, I'm not gonna fucking be here. So he went to he went to New York. And then he finally heard Jim Hurd left. So he's like, well, I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I like all the really wild variations on what are otherwise ordinary moves Mr. Perfect was doing in this match. Like, he did, um, oh, what the fuck was it? He did, like, an atomic drop, an inverted atomic drop, but he threw fucking Terry Taylor all the way into the air and did it. Yeah. <laughs> and he sold it, like, really well. I, I just love perfect suplex. 
Like when I think of suplex, there are like a handful of people I think of. I think of Chris Benoit. I think of Kurt Angle. I think of Mr. Perfect. Uh, I guess I think of Brock Lesnar since he's Suplex City now. But like Suplex City, bitch. And Taz, obviously. Taz has a, a fucking a lot of suplexes that he does. The human suplex machine. Yeah. So like when Mr. Perfect does it, he does it perfect. <laughs> he, he's pretty much had the best fisherman suplex I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Other than Peyton Royce, maybe. And this is when this is when they had Bobby Heenan on the phone as well, right? During his match. Yeah, Bobby Heenan calls in on the phone in the middle of the match, and it's a little distracting because he's kind of going a mile a minute. Yeah. But it's Bobby Heenan, so I I don't fucking care. <laughs> but like, I like the part where he just says like he's pretty much done talking, and he's like, "By the way, Vince, this was a collect call." <laughs> He's, he's fucking laughing at him. And if nobody knows what that fucking means anymore, because it's like you used to uh, call collect and then like the guy would have to like pay the accept the fee. And so Heenan stuck Vince with the fee on that call. By the way, I want to do a little short story about collect calls. Uh, so back in the 90s and early 2000s, my mom was a big worry freak. And when me and my friends used to walk to the park and keep in mind, walking to the park in New York is uh, about like 15 or 20 minutes from our house. Uh, yeah. So she would get worried and I didn't carry quarters on me unless I was buying a bag of chips because chips were about 50 cents back then. Uh, but anyway... Like, what I would do is my mom would buzz me that, you know, just to call her and tell her that, you you know, you're fine. So what I used to do is I used to go to a payphone, and I used to do 1-800-COLLECT, and when it says state your name, be like, Mom, I made it to the park. And then she would decline it. And that's how I got away <laughs> with contacting my mom. <laughs> that's nice, actually. That's pretty clever. <laughs> yeah. I never I never used to collect calls or anything. I don't think any of our family did. Well, payphones were more of a New York kind of thing, a very, like, city-urban kind of thing. Yeah, I can see that now that you bring that up. Yeah, that's probably why we never did. <laughs> um, Let's see, what else? Yeah, Ric Flair comes out and he interferes during this match. Yeah, I, 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 get, I guess I get it because, you know, they're trying to build the whole Ric Flair versus Mr. Perfect kind of thing. It was funny, though, because Ric Flair, like, he fucking beat, chopped him and beat him up and punched him and threw his head in the steps and everything, and he rolls perfect back in the ring. <laughs> Terry tries to do something, and then Mr. Perfect just counters him into the perfect plex and beats him. Yeah. So it was kind of like he no-sold the beating, almost. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, solid match. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good showcase for Terry Taylor after being stuck with his shit gimmick. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see him more. I don't think he's up there much longer at that point. Uh, I, I think he kind of... I don't remember exactly what happens. I can't remember if he goes back to WCW or he transitions into an office job at that point. Um, but what'd you give this match? I gave this match a 7 out of 10. Me too. It was very solid, and I love everything with Mr. Perfect in it. Yeah, he's one of my favorite. Uh, I guess calling him a classic wrestler is a stretch, but mm -hmm. he's one of my favorites from that 80s, early 90s time period. 
I call him the per and no pun intended, the perfect mid carder. He didn't need to be a heavyweight to be popular. No, and that was that was back during a time where you could be a mid carder and it wouldn't feel like your career was just stuck in purgatory. Yeah, his gimmick was he was perfect. He threw a football into himself. <laughs> he shot a basket and a three pointer, just throwing <laughs> it behind him and he did it. It was easy. <laughs> I can't wait until we start seeing those. I think that those uh, segments are part of these early Raw episodes. <laughs> um, let's see. Then there, <laughs> I have to mention this because my my hero, uh, my brother, Macho Man Randy Savage, had a Slim Jim commercial, <laughs> and it was amazing because <laughs> it just it starts and he's got like a bag of chips and he's like chips. <laughs> <laughs> and he just starts doing his slim jim spiel I, just, I lost it because i just didn't expect it to start like that this is when uh macho man started to wind down a little bit in the wwe or wwf yeah and there's all kinds of fucking weirdo stories about it there's even a dumbass conspiracy theory that he bangs stephanie or some shit and uh in reality, what it what it seems to be was that Vince wanted Randy to just be a commentator. And uh Randy didn't want to be a commentator, he wanted to wrestle. And and he didn't he he wasn't even like wanting a main event push or anything necessarily. He just wanted to keep wrestling. Uh-huh. And Vince just didn't want he didn't see it that way. He he wanted him to be that role of being a commentator, which he's I like him on commentary, obviously, but uh that's what caused uh Savage to leave. It's just like you're not gonna let me wrestle, man. I'm done, brother. And he leaves. And apparently that really hurt Vince's feelings. Well, that's Vince's fault. He should have let him wrestle. Like occasionally he throws him a bone, obviously. Here yeah, and repo, there. Man. <laughs> yeah, he has a he gets involved in the title picture for a little bit around this time too. Like I don't think it's this it, I don't remember if it's this year or next year. But he cuts a pretty awesome promo about, you know, wanting to be the champion again and shit and it was great, honestly. And I just wish, you know, looking back, I think they really missed an opportunity. Vince did miss an opportunity just letting Randy wrestle is what he should have done. Mhm. Because he could have like helped out a lot with like the lacking star power around that time, and he could have helped get some guys over. Yeah, I mean, that, that's early signs of Vince being like. I mean, you have the attitude error, but like that's early signs of Vince not knowing what he's doing. Kind of like what he's not knowing what he's doing today. Like, you have so much talent. And you could use the veterans just like how you're using Randy Orton right now. Use Randy Orton as a person that could build a locker room. Yeah. Like, man, could you imagine, like, all the matches we could have got if, you know, Savage didn't go to WCW? Because, honestly, in my opinion, like, I'm I'm not saying he never did anything good there when he went. He did. Mm -hmm. But it didn't last very long because eventually he got lost in the shuffle. Well, imagine if you had Randy Savage in the Attitude Era. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Like him facing off against like a Triple H, yeah, or like a 
fucking oh. Stone Cold. The Stone Cold versus Randy Savage, I think, would be great. Yeah, I'm thinking of matches even before that. Like, what if you know? What if Savage fought Gold Dust? What if, what if Savage fought Owen Hart? Like after he turned heel and kind of got a pretty good heel push. Did, uh, did Savage ever face Piper? By the way, in WWF, I think he did. Like, I just don't know when exactly. That would be, that would have been a great match. But they could have done so. You know, they could have done Savage and Brett for the title one time. Savage versus think, British Bulldog. Yeah. I mean, I, or, I see, like, God damn it, I'm thinking of so many good matches they could have done, and it just didn't happen. One of those what-ifs, you know? Yep. Well, you can only do what-ifs so much. But then we would have never got that uh, Randy Savage rap uh, album. Be a man, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bret Hart does promo for on Razor for Rumble. I didn't, li- um, I didn't like it. I didn't like the promo. Uh, to me, he's not quite hitting his mark yet for a promo. Some people think Bret Hart has no mic skills. I don't agree with that. Um, it's it's different. He's not Bret doesn't do an over the top fucking promo. That's not his thing. Like his thing is to to me when he got good at promos was like in the mid nineties. And he could do like those really grounded, just kind of like really believable promos. Like you just believe everything he's saying. I disagree with you. I think I really agree with him when pretty much he was on his way out of WWE. When he was like fucking pissed off at fucking McMahon and Shawn Michaels and stuff. I think oh, that's the, ne- that's the next level when he goes heel and he fucking, yeah, starts going off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the next level, but. Some of that stuff where he's building up his matches and stuff in the mid '90s is, I think, good. I'm gonna beat you in the SummerSlam. Especially because just man, when you see fucking WWE promos nowadays from people that are even alleged to be good promos, like Seth Rollins and shit, doing this awful goddamn, <laughs> just this shit sucks. And then you just have like a guy who just says like. I'm gonna have this match with this dude, and it's 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 gonna be tough. But you know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna wait till he makes a mistake, and when he makes a mistake, I'll beat him into submission. That sounds like a goddamn fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's why I like it so much. I was more of a Shawn Michaels guy than more than Bret Hart. Different styles, very different styles. Mm-hmm. But um. Let's see. Here comes the Undertaker spot for Headlock on Hunger. Oh my god. <laughs> Why is it? I, I get that Undertaker is a big dude in the WWF, but like, why have a dead man cut a promo on death in Somalia? I don't know. I just love Paul Bear. It's like, Oh, people are starving in Somalia. It's not good. They, when people step in the ring with my Undertaker, they have a choice. But people in Somalia don't. <laughs> and then, you, and then you would think like Undertaker's not going to speak. But then he raises his head and he's like, "No one should die of hunger." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this is stupid." <laughs> 
that was the best one. I mean, I don't, I don't, there's more to come, I guess, probably, but I doubt any of them will beat that one. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Just go go YouTube and put Undertaker Headlock for Hunger, and you'll find it. Yeah, it's going to be the one where you see all of the promos, by the way, with Tanaka and the whole roster, but Undertaker's in there. It, it, it's a blast. It's funny. Okay, next. Got Marty Jannetty versus Glenn Ruth. Long trivia match. time. Trivia time, though. Okay. Who is Glenn Ruth? Uh, Thrasher? You're right. I thought it looked like him. <laughs> I didn't think it looked like him because I'm not used to him having hair and shit and him just looking like a fucking like, generic preset creator wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I saw him and they said Glenn Ruth. I'm like, that name sounds familiar. What the fuck? So I looked it up and it was Thrasher. And I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that's Thrasher. Okay, he's he's very young in his career at this point, I guess. Um, Former NWA World Tag Team Champion. Whoa. So they, they do a handshake spot, and he fucking hits Janetti from behind. That starts the shit. <laughs> and it's it's okay. Like, there's nothing bad going on during this match at all. It's fine. It, but it's like kind of dull. It's it's a Marty Janetti match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. He just can't elicit that reaction. He can't draw any. He didn't draw me into his match or anything. I mean, um, I know we had too many. Like we're gonna have a Ric Flair run in uh, twice, or uh, we're gonna have two run ins. We're gonna have Mister Perfect running on Rick, and then we're gonna have we had Rick running on Mister Perfect. I think if they had, like, Shawn Michaels run on in <laughs> fucking Marty Jannetty, it would have been out of control. But I would have had maybe Marty Jannetty, not Marty, Jesus Christ, uh, Shawn Michaels, like, take over the intercom in the fucking building. And, oh, that would have been good. Yeah, and be like, hey, you know, Sherry's going to be with me because I'm a real man, not like you, <laughs> and all that stuff. But you see it. Which, by the way, I, I, I found funny, like, uh, Shawn Michaels was going, she knows her place. She's going to be with the me, the heartbreak kid. <laughs> I fucking love his promos. Yeah, his promos are great this time. Mm-hmm. This is like, I think shortly, uh, like within a few months or something, he starts getting the heartbreak hotel fucking yeah. segments. Mm-hmm. And those are good. But, uh. Yeah, Sean calls in for a phone interview, and this one's much better and less distracting than the Heenan one. Mm-hmm. So like, he's just he's cutting a promo, and it's like, oh, something interesting's going on <laughs> because Sean Michaels is talking. I kind of <laughs> wish that, like, when Bobby Heenan was uh, doing it, and even Sean Michaels, like, they were watching the show on like a monitor. Because there was a point where Marty Gennardi, like, looks at the camera and says something to Shawn Michaels, like, not knowing that he's on the phone and stuff. But it would have been funny if, like, Shawn Michaels would be like, shut up, you stupid, or something like that. This guy think he is. Yeah, I, I, I think that would have been like, whoa, he's, he's watching and calling. <laughs> but... Yeah, it just kind of goes on for a bit, and then Janetti hits the rocker dropper out of nowhere, and it's over. Yeah. I mean, obviously building up to the 
Which, by the way, I never really hear any good things about the the actual match. Uh, so I'm not expecting that to be a you know a, a good match when we see it. Yeah, I don't really have any expectations for it, but whatever. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens, I suppose. Uh, I gave it a five because it wasn't bad. But it wasn't really good either, so it's just kind of like middle of the road. Same, same here, five out of ten. Um, let's see, they show a segment from Superstars where Doink beats the fuck out of Crush with a fake arm, <laughs> and it's like he, he Doink's had his arm in a cast, I guess, because Crush broke his arm because bruh, he needs to quit fucking with kids mm-hmm. or something, <laughs> like. Doik was begging off and he's trying to give him a flower or something. He's like, no, but my arm's hurt. And then he, he did the Joker trick where he has a fake arm and he beats the fuck out of him. <laughs> bro, stop touching kids, bro. Bro. I, uh, I kind of liked it just because he was so vicious about it. Oh, yeah. I love this doink. I think it's, this doink is uh, a clown. And... When did uh when did it come out? When was the year that came out? Let me check. Uh, I think it was ninety two. That's interesting if that's happening. Oh, hold on. I'm doing IMDb right now. I type in it. Uh, nineteen ninety. So I bet you amount of money, Vince watched fucking it. <laughs> it's like I want a I want a clown in my fucking uh ring. Maybe it could have been it. And at this point in time. Doink's personality is he's kind of menacing and an asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I don't remember who who told this story. Now, somebody told a story one time about Matt Bourne where like he he got done doing Doink shit like out in the arena, and he was like in the back and he was just kind of sitting there and his shit was kind of half off and his his shoes were kind of untied and shit. And he was smoking a cigarette and he looked just kind of tired and burned out. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, Doink looks like Matt Bourne looks like Krusty the Clown from The Simpsons. <laughs> He's just, that's just who he is. And it, I, I wish I remember who said that because I, I always thought that was amazing because I that's how I, I kind of see him. Because there was a period of time where I think Matt Bourne left WWF and he went to ECW. And for a brief stint, he was showing 94. up in like, yeah, he was showing up in like really, like a really f- fucking shitty doink gimmick. Like he was still making himself up to look like doink, but it was half-assed and it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, I guess he was cutting promos, but he's like, I'm not a fucking clown anymore. It's here I like, you know, but uh, this is what I don't know says, what this is what it says, by the way. Uh, here I'll I'll read it. In Extreme okay. Wrestling, uh, '94, after losing a match to the World Heavyweight Championship, Shane Douglas Douglas would go to criticize Vince McMahon for turning a talented wrestler like Bourne into a comic relief character, and claimed that he knew how to bring out Bourne's full potential. Bourne then changed his ring name to Bourne Again, and continued wearing the clown suit. Uh, Albert without the wig, wearing a minimal amount of face paint, as well as growing out his hair and beard. After beating his opponents, he would make them dress in clown outfits. However, his tenure with the company was short-lived due to personal problems. Oh, okay. 
probably Paul Heyman just being like, this is dumb or something. Maybe. I don't really know that much about Matt Bourne, so. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Then there's a Repo Man Savage segment again where, like, Repo Man's outside and Sean Mooney's out there and he's, like, taunting him and Savage knows he's out there. He can see him on the monitor. And I love this because Repo Man grabs Sean Mooney's earpiece so he can hear him and talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the, oh my God. <laughs> and then they have a back and forth over that. And he taunts Macho Man into coming out there and then he, he fucks off later. I like it. But, he's like, I beat you. I beat you and I stole your cheap hat. <laughs> I stole your cheap hat. I stole your prized possession, your hat. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? And this is all over his fucking hat. Like, obviously. Savage is pissed that he, he attacked him from behind, mm. but he seems to be more pissed off that he stole his hat. This the, is silly. By the way, I, he I, runs across fucking Manhattan traffic. The and then Vince is like, get him out of the traffic! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, but I this is silly shit, honestly, but like I kind of like it because it's just fun. And it kind of puts Repo Man... On the map a little bit because like Repo Man, uh, Repo Man in uh, uh, in the nineties were just like oh it's just another career gimmick uh, personality and all that stuff. He was like one of the last fucking career uh, gimmicks. Well, he no he wasn't yet because that that shit keeps going up into like ninety six. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about because it. I there's a bunch more that that that'll show up. Like, you got the goon, the fucking hockey player. Mm-hmm. You got T.L. Hopper, the fucking plumber. Duke, I, the dumpster drose, the goddamn trash man. Ivan Yankum. Isaac Yankum, DDS, who's, who is one of the last ones. Um, fucking, I already said Fantasio. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a couple. The Mountie. Mm-hmm. The fucking Mountie. Uh god yeah unfortunately this 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 plagues us for a couple more years oh and how many times do we have to hear about i hope he doesn't steal my car but randy savage make sure he doesn't steal my car yeah what the fuck is like what the hell bartlett are you behind on your fucking payments like (laughs) i saw this from a mile away that like and spoiler alert repo man takes his car but like I was like, oh, this is going to end with them t- his taking his car. <sighs> I-, I guess we'll talk about it later. I guess we will. Ric Flair time. Oh, there's a couple more things here. Oh. Uh, mean Gene pitches the rumble some more. And there's a good short promo by Razor here. Mm-hmm. So that was that was fine. Uh, yeah, I already mentioned Macho Man went outside and played in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it was just surreal to see him in that get up run run around in the street and try to get a taxi like <laughs> i bet you like drivers are like what the fuck <laughs> what's going on <laughs> so yeah here we are this is the the last match el matador fucking tito santana i don't know why they did this to him he's in an occupational gimmick now too <laughs> versus rick flair <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, And then, like, I was like, I like Tito, you know, 
from what I've seen of his 80s stuff. And he was still pretty good in 92 as well. I think that was like right before he became El Matador. He was in that rumble. Well, and he, I think him and Ric Flair worked for a while in there too, and it was good. Oh, he was great in this match. Yeah, I liked I liked Tito. Um, he kept the advantage for a while. Like Rick Rick Flair was giving him a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the, I like that old take head headlock takeover spot. You know the one where like they ran into the corner like he was gonna like do a suplex or some shit. Yeah, and then Tito kind of like ran up the turnbuckle and rolled him over and kept him in the headlock. Nobody does shit like that anymore. No, no, there's not a lot of ring psychology anymore in general. It just looks cool, and it's like I guarantee you nobody will get fucking hurt on that spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, see, we come back, and then Flair hits my favorite move right right off the what would have been the commercial break. He thumbs him right in the fucking eye. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we come back to. He's just like, ah, <laughs> he covered his eye up. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they they fight a little bit, and then Tito get throws him, and Flair does the crazy corner bump and fucking flies out of the ring with it. Oh, I love that part. <laughs> I love that. Um, let's see, Tito gets fired up, and he hits the forearm, mm-hmm. and then he he goes for another forearm. But then Flair just falls down because he's tired. <laughs> <laughs> Flies out of the ring. And it was like, wow, that was lucky. Rick Flair goes out there to try to like take advantage. Then Perfect comes out and pays him back for interfering from earlier. Mm-hmm. They fight. And then they fight to the back. And then the match just ends. Well, what I like about, you know, Perfect turning heel, like, not heel, uh, face. Like, he's not fully face, if you think about it. Because a real face would never come out and attack somebody during, you know, a face during heel match. They would, you know, maybe come out and, like, distract them a little bit, I mean, just showing his face. But, like, Perfect came out and just like, fuck your match, El Matador. I'm just going to beat up Ric Flair now. With, with a name like Mr. Perfect, you got to have, like, a pretty big ego. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, he still has his own motivations and shit, whatever. But um, I gave his match a six, I just it, because it it just ended like. Yeah, I gave it a six point five. But uh, it was it was good up until just how it just kind of fell apart there at the end. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like T- the Ric Flair won by disqualification or nothing because he got fucking attacked <laughs> blatantly. Uh, but then we come back. There, there would have been a commercial. They come back and they they're they're out fighting. They fight back outside, and then Flair just runs over to Vince and starts cutting a promo. <laughs> yeah, that was so odd. By the way, like they they stopped fighting and then like I guess he got his cue. Like, oh, you got to go to Vince and do your interview. I love the interview. It was it was a flair promo, but he says, "I want perfect here in front of God and everyone." And Vince's eyes bulge out of his head when he says that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, uh, "Flair wants a loser leaves WWF match." And I guess and I, I guess we huh? kind of see what happens, right? <laughs> we see it. In yeah, the- we 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 know what's going to happen, but whatever. <laughs> um. This is when that Bob Bartlett guy finally says something funny. 
after Flair got done with that interview, he says, take a Prozac. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you said something that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, because Ric Flair always does that, like, woo, like how he always talks into the mic. I'm going to get you and all that stuff. He gets worked. He works himself up into a frenzy and just starts yelling. And it's, <laughs> it's, I love it. Um, Perfect gets on the mic. He accepts. It was it was a fine promo because it, it was he wasn't over the top or anything. He was just like he was mad and he wanted to meet the challenge and it was believable. He didn't sound like it wasn't obviously not scripted and shit. Mm-hmm. It was very natural sounding. Uh, great promos. Um, Repo Man steals Bob's blazer. It was hilarious. <laughs> the end. This was better than episode one, in my opinion. I thought so, too. I gave it 6.5. I gave it a 7.5. Whoa. I think, um, I, I think I gave it a 7 last episode. More entertaining, good promos, good action, and there were some fairly unpredictable things that happened. Mm-hmm. And props to setting up two matches for the next episode, because that's what they did. Yeah. Can we have more of that, please? And, like, real... Uh... You know, not real life. Well, that was real life, too. But you know what I mean? I'm intoxicated a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was the first two episodes of Raw. And we've kind of discussed maybe just watching more programming from like around this time. Mm-hmm. Just just to compare it. And I guess we'll see what happens. Like, we'll like, would you rather continue watching the Raws right now to lead to the Rumble or? I like what you were talking about. I, I let's watch from episode one all the way through all of them, and then we just watch the pay per views as they are scheduled back then. Okay, because uh, I was checking for what WCW was running at the time. There's two Saturday nights that predated these two Raw episodes, so we'll have to catch up a little bit. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't mind doing like one WWE or goddamn fuck WWE. Let's just call it WWF because that's what I do. <laughs> Let's do WWF and WCW if you want to, and like side by side kind of thing. Just see what talent there was in, on both shows if you want to do that. Um, we could like I'd kind of like to. Uh, we'll have to catch it up. Uh, to where we're at with WWF. Mm-hmm. And there was a Clash of Champions event that happened earlier than the Royal Rumble in this month. Okay. Um, so I have to figure out if that's even on the network or not, though. Uh, I was trying to last night, but it kept crashing on me for some reason mm-hmm. when I was trying to find it. So, like, I, that's still to be determined, I guess. Okay. Well, I guess uh, you want to end it here? I guess that's it. All right, well, uh, keep an eye out. I'm more getting some color. Remember, we are a bi-weekly podcast uh, where we do some wrestling. Uh, We're on uh, Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you search Nerd Review Network, we are on there. Uh, And uh, make sure to catch our Big Trouble Little Podcast, which we are doing Jean-Claude Van Damme. And hopefully we'll get back on track with some Resident Evil. I am on the uh, Resident Evil 2 book. 
and hopefully we can get back on track on that as well. So I'm glad that we are back here in Wrestling Town um, because old school wrestling is way better than wrestling today. End of, end, end of story. Yes. <laughs> Until next time, everybody, remember to get some color. Freak out, man. Yeah. <laughs>